This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 126, and I am interviewing Isaiah Bartlett, a queer trans radical therapist, about his struggles with body image, the intersection between gender dysphoria and body image, and advice on building body trust and healing. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 126. Before we begin, let me give a shout out to... This amazing podcast listener who left this review, this podcast puts into words explanations for and connections to thoughts and feelings I could never understand. The perspectives and stories are so real and fun and give validation to my own story. Thank you. Thank you so much for that amazing review. I'm going to try and pronounce this. I think it's late mom, something like that. Thank you so much for that amazing review. I really appreciate it. Leaving a review helps others to find the show and the information you're learning here. And it helps to contribute to the revolution to end diet culture. So you can do that by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use. Lastly, don't forget to grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Or go to thebodyimagecoach.com, which will link to my website and give you everything you need to know. Today's guest is Isaiah Bartlett, LCSW, a psychotherapist in private practice who works with queer and transgendered communities in Portland, Oregon. Isaiah received his master's in social work from New York University, during which his coursework explored the connections between psychoanalysis, queer theory, critical race theory, and their implications on clinical work. Isaiah views his work through anti-oppressive based lenses and has trained in various feminist modalities of psychotherapy that allow for the use of transference based work. Additionally, Isaiah is an eating disorder survivor with a particular interest in the intersections between gender dysphoria, exercise addiction and eating disorders. This episode is amazing. Isaiah shares details of his story and it really is is quite vulnerable with sharing what he what he went through uh transitioning and how that affected his relationship with his body and i think you're going to learn so much from hearing his story and the gaps that we have when we talk about body positivity and and how we can make it more inclusive it's a it's a really powerful interview so i think you're going to love this one check it out 
Hello, Isaiah. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really excited to have you share your story. Yeah. So why don't we start off with that? I would love you to tell our listeners a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you do. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I'm a trans person um, and I, you know, I feel like my story sort of like really kind of starts there with like coming out as trans and my relationship with my body. And, you know, I actually feel really fortunate that I, you know, I mean, of course, I grew up with problematic messages around my body and things like that, but actually not to the extent that I feel like a lot of people that are socialized as female do. And so I feel like there are some ways that I was sort of like spared some of that. But um, I started coming out as trans when I was probably 18. And so just to put that in perspective, that was 13 years ago. And, um, you know, not that things are perfect and necessarily where they should be now in terms of the trans right movement and accessing healthcare and things like that. But when I was coming out as trans, there was no YouTube, right? You know, there, there weren't, um, there weren't like big public figures that we have that are out as trans in the same way that we do now. And so that was something that was, that was really hard and confusing for me. And so I I started coming out as trans when I was 18. And then, you know, I definitely, I don't know, it was was a very sort of confusing time because I'm also like in college, right? And going through all of these other sort of like fun developmentally challenging struggles of just like, who am I in the world? And like, what do I want to do? And I'm also, you know, like, you know, then giving myself shots of testosterone in the bathroom of my dorm at my college. That's the first all women's college in the country. And so... Sort of navigating all of these things. Um, But I would say, you know, that I think one of, it's interesting, you know, as a trans person and then as a therapist who's working with trans people, I think that a trap I end up seeing a lot of trans people falling into is this idea that you can sort of change anything about your body, right? And so, you know, physically transitioning and starting hormones and accessing surgery and things like that can be this like really cool, exciting experience of being like, it's like Christmas every morning, you know, talk about a like time when you're really like hyper focused on your body. Right. And so I have these memories of being like 19 years old and like, you know, sitting in the mirror or sitting in the bathroom, like like sitting on the counter and like leaning so close into the mirror to like look for like peach fuzz on my face and I'm like hitting the actual mirror you know but it's just like can be this incredibly exciting time for your body because it's like every morning is like Christmas and it's like what's going to be different even though the reality is it's like those things like actually really take a long time. Um, It doesn't necessarily feel like that in the moment. And so it was definitely, but then you get this idea, like hormones, you know, especially for trans masculine people like myself, like testosterone can really change a lot of things about how you look. And it just totally depends on the person. There's no, you know, guarantee that these things are going to happen, but they can certainly do a lot. And so I think the trap that I fell into that I 
unfortunately see a lot of people in my community fall into is this idea that you can change all of these aspects of your body, right? And so you get used to this idea that like, oh, well, if I can grow a beard, right, then I can change all of these other things in my body that are not necessarily changeable. So for me, what that ended up looking like, so, you know, one of the biggest things for me was being able to access top surgery, which is, you know, people refer to, you know, chest surgery, double mastectomy, use your imagination, my tits got chopped off, you know, like, right. <laughs> that's essentially what's happening. And so that was sort of like the big thing for me. But then I think, you know, a couple of years into hormones and top surgery and things like that, I think I was still really disconnected from my body and disconnected in terms of my relationship with food. And I definitely knew, you know, like looking back, growing up and sort of like understanding this as a therapist, you know, that I was an emotional eater and looking at the ways that my parents related to me in terms of food and things like that. Like there are a lot of sort of like those seeds that were there. And then I, it was really, you know, I would say like my sort of like really big struggle around my eating disorder started, let's see, probably six years ago in 2012. And I, you know, had struggled with my weight and mainly more around the shape of my body. That's where a lot of my dysphoria and challenges and where a lot it can be for a lot of trans people. And so my body is very curvy. And that's something that is just really hard for me. Mm -hmm. Because I just no matter how much I like intellectually know that, you, you know, that like gender is like so deeply socially constructed, it's still like a lived reality, right? You know, like money, like capitalism isn't real or, or like money isn't real, but I still have to pay rent, right? You know, so like these things are so deeply socially constructed and they still have these incredible impacts on impacts on us. And so I, you know, really struggled with the shape of my body and that all of my fat is on my hips and on my sides. And for some people, taking testosterone changes that. For other people, it doesn't. And that wasn't something that changed for me, you know, and that was something that I had really wanted and hoped for. And it was definitely confusing, I think, to see all of these other parts of my body change. And to see that I was sort of becoming myself and coming into my body in all of these ways and then have this other part of me feel like it was just like stuck and not going to do anything. And so just, you know, I'm kind of an intense person in the sense of like, I go like all out for things. And so it was in the summer and I had never been as somebody who exercised regularly. I grew up, which people who meet me now, I'm very, I'm a really active person and I love being outside. And that's a huge part of my identity and who I am. And so people, you know, tend to have this image of me that I was always this very active and athletic person. And that's like, couldn't be farther from the truth. I grew up skiing, which was something that I loved and was always really good at, but that was like kind of it, you know? And so I literally just like decided like, 
overnight, you know, that I was going to like, quote unquote, get healthy. Right. Right. And so, you know, like danger zone immediately, you know. Um, And so I had never really been like, I just didn't think about what I ate, you know, and what I was putting into my body. And then I had this period of, you know, so I knew that I, you know, wasn't eating in ways that were sustaining me emotionally or nutritionally. And I completely changed the way that I ate like overnight, you know, like I went from eating, you know, a lot of like processed food and really like meat and carb based diet to, you know, becoming a pescatarian and vegetarian and then eventually vegan. And I went from somebody who never exercised to literally I got this like indoor recumbent bike for my house uh, because I was so afraid of exercising in public. Right. And like what that would look like and feel like in my body, like it just felt so vulnerable that I got this bike. And I remember I just became completely addicted to it. And I remember discovering that I could go 20 miles um, on it. And just this like incredible, like really like physiological high from that and feeling so accomplished and feeling, I mean, the biggest thing was feeling really connected to my body. And so the difficult thing was then that highlighted how much of my life I had spent really disconnected from my body, that it ended up feeling like the only time I could really be present and experience positive parts of, of positive aspects of my body were when I was exercising. Mm. And so, you know, I lost almost 20 pounds like in a month, you know, and I, it felt really good. And I think I felt a lot of that sort of like high that I got when I first started physically transitioning. Um, I think I started to feel really similar ways and I got a lot of attention and then, you know, like got really into biking and, you know, sort of became this like freak athlete overnight. Um, and you know, it's hard because when I look back on it, even still now, like there are parts of that that I like miss, you know, because it it was this like incredible feeling of like triumph and this like feeling of like control and connection and all of these things. But it was really compulsive and it's really harmful. And there were times, you know, this was I had just graduated from social work school and, you know, I'm at my first job and I remember, you know, there were times when I didn't know if I was going to get my bike ride in for that day. And I was so panicked about it that I would just leave. Or there would be, you know, a Halloween party where people were going to have cupcakes and I just couldn't do it. Like, I just like left because I was having a panic attack, you know, and my whole world became consumed with food. And I really thought that if I lost enough weight, then the shape of my body would change. And so at this point, you know, I was really trying to starve my hips away. But that 
isn't something that you can change with weight loss, or at least not for me and for my body. And so I just deflated in the same like really curvy shape Mm -hmm. and just became so consumed with my body and exercise. I, you know, I would only eat certain foods that I had eaten like in the process of losing weight. And so I created this narrative around like poison that like certain like foods and like entire food groups and things like that were poisonous and like were going to contaminate my body and eventually decided that hormones were going to contaminate my body. And I had stopped taking testosterone um, at certain points in my transition, which is which is really common for a lot of people. So it's not something that's rare and wasn't rare for me. But for me, I didn't even want to be on testosterone because some of the side effects of that are weight gain. Mm-hmm. And stopped taking hormones like completely for a year because I was just like, I cannot have anything that isn't like pure in my body. Wow. Um, Yeah, I was really like, you know, I was like in it and it was a really hard, confusing time. And I really feel for the people who were around me at that time. And some of them, you know, I got a lot of attention, a lot of it really positive. And so that was hard to thinking about giving up, you know, and a lot of people were really like Isaiah, like, like we are concerned about you. Like I lost a third of my body weight in one summer. Yeah, that's uh, intense. Yeah, it was a lot. And I realized, you know, a few months in that like, I had an eating disorder, but I just didn't want to give it up. You know, like it felt like I had, you know, I remember like talking with, you know, eventually my therapist and then, you know, eventually like a nutritional therapist and just being like, my body talks to me when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And it was this like, and, you know, and I just, I just didn't want to give it up. And because then I would have to face that I actually can't control my body and I can't control the shape of it. I can't control, you know, like my hormones, you know, like that's just not possible. And so it took me probably a year I would say just under a year and a half to enter nutritional therapy. And so an interesting part of like my story too, is that veganism actually really like saved me in terms of my eating disorder. And I know that this can be a really controversial thing in terms of eating disorder recovery and that, you know, for a lot of people, veganism can be a form of restriction. And for me, It was really, you know, I mean, I'm a super political person and, you know, intersectionality really means a lot to me. And so, you know, when I became vegan, it really, I mean, maybe there were parts of it that were about restriction, but it also like gave me permission to eat and gave me a reason to eat at a time when I was starving. Right. And so food was this thing that was so stressful and complicated and that I just like didn't care about. Then like, I started getting into veganism and animal rights and I was like, oh my God, a reason to eat, right? Like this might feel really shitty some of the time, but I know that like this is also this like political decision and that I can like do something productive with something that's like causing me a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, veganism actually for me was like kind of the pathway out of some of my 
restriction and, you know, like discovering new types of foods and things like that. And so, so with that, you know, of course I like started eating again. And so I started gaining weight, which I needed to. And I then, you know, when I discovered going, you know, going to the doctor and being weighed um, after (laughs) what I affectionately refer to as my like summer of love when I was just like eating like all the best vegan desserts you can imagine. Um, (laughs) And then I discovered I gained weight and I just broke down again and was just like, fuck, you know, like I'll never forget like you know, like sitting outside, like I was living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time and sitting outside of the, on the like curb of the like queer health center there, just like crying and not knowing what to do. And it was really hard for me as a therapist to try and seek out treatment. It was hard as a trans person. And I just, you know, I started looking into these places and eventually, you know, I would call saying that I was looking information for clients when I was really looking for myself. And all of these programs were geared at women and they were all very behaviorally based programs, which I mean, first of all, as a therapist is like not really my jam to begin with. (laughs) And I just had no idea how how to access those spaces. Right. But I obviously like recognize the importance of them, but I just felt so invalidated and unseen as a trans person, you know, and I was just like, there's just no way I can like put myself in this like very sort of like stale treatment environment. And so I really lucked out in terms of like finding a nutritional therapist who was who like took my insurance, which like, oh my God, never happens, you know? And then also who was approaching things from an intuitive eating framework and saw her for probably six or seven months before I moved to the West Coast um, and just went and talked about my body and how much I hated the shape of it and how I just didn't know what to do, you know? And I would just like sit there and she would just, you know, like, Sometimes I'd just be starving and she would just like feed me trail mix, you know, and she was great. And I was her first trans client, you know, and she got it. And, you know, I think that people are really intimidated about working with trans people. And I totally understand that. And like sometimes I'm like, yeah, you should be like, do your homework, you know. And other times it's also like we're like people, you know, and if you're a good therapist or clinician and provider and like using like your basic clinical skills and like you're going to be okay. And she was really great. I don't think, you know, I look back on it and I feel like in the beginning of my treatment, it was just sort of like all like washing over me. I didn't really know what to make of it, you know, but like here's this person like preaching about like intuitive eating and like how you're born an intuitive eater and all these things. I was just like, okay, whatever, you know. And yeah, and that was sort of like the beginning of my recovery and my journey. And, you know, in that time, I ended up moving out to the West Coast, which was a really great life decision as it like fit perfectly within like my interests in terms of like being outside and ended up, you know, but I and so then I started, you know, I'm gaining the weight back and things like that. But I'm not as like fixated on the weight itself. But you know, then of course the weight I'm gaining back is all going to my hips. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know, like why? Like I've like done all this therapy. I am a therapist, you know, like 
why can't I just accept my body? And I felt, I think one of the hardest things too was like, you know, being a person who's queer and really in, you know, really involved and active in political queer spaces that fortunately oftentimes are really invested in body positivity and fat positivity. I felt like I had really betrayed my community and was really like, oh my God, I am this like radical queer feminist who's like freaking out about their weight, you know, like what is wrong with me? You know, like, like it just like felt like this like other way that I just like couldn't get my shit together. Oh, so you're putting pressure on yourself to be kind of like the perfect representation of feminism. Yeah. Living up to my politics, you know, which is like not fair either. Right. And so I eventually, you know, it was really complicated. I, I had sort of like looked into like surgery options when I was living in Massachusetts in terms of like changing the shape of my body. And, you know, it's, it's hard and it's messy. And I think for a lot of trans people, obviously not everyone, but for me, in order to like get to a better place with my body, I've had to change it in some really drastic ways. And so the next steps for me in terms of changing that were having liposuction twice to remove fat from my hips. And, oh my God, I felt so horrible about it at first. I just, you know, again, I was like, why can't I just like accept this, but realized that I just couldn't and that that was okay. And I, you know, I'll never be able to like tease out what fat phobia, you know, was in those decisions, but I'm also not defined by it at the same time, you know? And so I, you know, decided to have more surgery and it was really complicated, but I was also just like, my relationship with my body was not sustainable, you know, like that's just like not good, you know? So I ended up going and I had liposuction removed from, you know, the sides of my body to create a more sort of um, rectangular masculine shape. And then I decided a couple of years later that I like actually wasn't happy with the results and that I like wanted to do it again. And then I, and then at this point, you know, I remember like texting my friends and being like, oh my God, you know, like, am I just like addicted to plastic surgery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, was it the same kind of yeah, or- like, something that like a lot of like trans people struggle with and, you know, but like, why are we like lapsing into these? Like, like, yes, it's important to like think critically, but those are like, why are we like creating more binaries when like shit's way more complicated than that, you know? And those having that, those two surgeries were like life-saving for me, you know, and it's messy and complicated. And that was what I needed to do to live and exist in my body in a way that is sustainable. And those decisions to ironically, you know, have fat removed in from my body were really central points of my recovery because it just, you know, like, I don't know that I'll ever get to a place where I truly like love my body, but I feel like I, and I have so much appreciation, you know, for people that are out there that are like talking about like radical self-love and are like, don't stop acceptance, you know, 
soon. Like, that's, like, great. And, like, I hear you and I'm not there, mm. you know. And I, like, I think that that's, like, you know. And so the place that I talk about where I'm, like, at right now with my body is, like, good enough, right? Like, I have a functional relationship with my body, you know. Yeah. And like where I'm at right now. And I recognize that there's like totally possibility for growth and change in that. And like, maybe I'll get there. But right now, like, I'm going to fucking celebrate that I got to good enough, you know, because like, there was like a hell of a lot of pain that came before that, you know? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's so much more compound. It's like, it's not just fat phobia, you know, it's the whole, you know, it's, it's the whole gender um, aspect of it, too, that really, you know, that makes your story so much more unique. And I think the struggle that much harder. Yeah, because it's like, it's not just fat, right? Like, this is like very gendered fat, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, I have like, feelings about, you know, like having gained weight back and stuff like that. But it's also like, I know that my feelings about the fat on my stomach or my face and things like that are nowhere near the intensity that I experienced in terms of like having fat on my hips and the sides of my body, huh. you know, just like to me, it just like feels so different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. I, like, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and, and sharing all the details of, of what you've experienced because it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a powerful story. And I think, I think sometimes, you know, we look at things in, in the body positive movement from a very, you know, binary perspective and it's like, this is okay. And this is not okay. You know, like, it's not okay to change your body to conform to society standards. But, you know, hearing your story, yeah, totally. it's just like, it's, yeah, it's just really kind of, you know, opened my eyes to a whole other yeah. angle. And even, like within like trans community too, like there's this like hierarchy of dysphoria. And I do see that sort of like shifting now in some ways, which is, which is great and really, you know, powerful to sort of witness those shifts happen but it's like people can understand like okay you don't want breasts or you don't want this genitalia it's like are you know I feel like had been these like again these like acceptable areas of dysphoria right but then like talking about like shape and things like that it's like a dialogue that is like happening now that like had been very forbidden until recently you know and now it's like I like see it so much more in my practice with the clients that I work with, you know, of like, like trans masculine folks, like in the trans women that I work with, you know, like really talking about like dysphoria in terms of the shape of their bodies and insurance companies have gotten better about covering some trans related surgeries and unfortunately much more often for trans masculine people because the way that you know, trans misogyny plays itself out in terms of covering surgeries is just absolutely horrible. But this is not something that insurance companies cover. You know, like, I've paid for all of my surgeries on my own. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then it's like, then we get these like, you know, or had beginning these like, community messages of like, oh, that's like not dysphoria right these are the acceptable forms of dysphoria and then that gets re uh, you know um reinforced by insurance companies who you know have these like lovely ideas um <laughs> about trans people's bodies and lots of other people's bodies but yeah mm -hmm. yeah so but yeah. i mean the whole body image piece is just so complex i think because of all these different all of these different factors coming into play 
This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by Tomboy X. I love that Tomboy X makes kick-ass gender-neutral underwear for all people and all bodies, all sizes, and all skin tones. Tomboy X makes amazing underwear for people whose opinions are anything but. My personal favorite product is the Brawlet because they are the best ones that I've worn. They are extremely comfortable, soft, and look super cute when you have them on. For the first time, I found underwear that doesn't just fit me, it gets me and feels so good on my body. It's time to stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident. No more underwear with more frills than function. No more underwear your mom got you to fem you up. Get underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. They have bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, soft bras, bracer back bras in everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, and brilliant colors. All options come in extra small to 4X. Regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. Go to tomboyx.com slash fearless and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And fearless listeners get an extra 15% off with code fearless. Again, enter code fearless for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you've been wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to tomboyx.com slash fearless. Yeah. And I know I've read that, you know, something that doesn't get talked about a lot is transgendered people. There are four more four times more likely to have an eating disorder. That's the stat that I read. I don't know if that's still. Yeah, I mean, that seems unfortunately low, if you ask me, you know, like, it, like, I feel like it's like way higher than that. And um, yeah, I think that people really, you know, it is this really tangible way for people to work through or attempt to work through these issues, you know, around control or to avoid, you know, dealing with and confronting really challenging parts of their relationships with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's so hard in a society that's that is is, you know, so oppressive towards towards trans folks like it. That makes it so yeah, much harder to reach yeah. out for help. And then and as you said, like all the programs you looked into were geared towards women. And so I think it's, you know, it's even more yeah. difficult to, 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 to even realize that you have a problem or seek out treatment when you do. I know. And it's so hard, though, because it's like, that's important, right? Like those spaces and the way that like, you know, fat phobia and oppression around bodies and things like that, like the way that that impacts women, like that is very, very different. Right. And so it's like, I want to recognize the significance and importance of those spaces. And I also want to like, have more narratives mm-hmm. that are there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so, like trying to find a balance for that is just really challenging. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you know, like the body positive movement and and what um, your what your thoughts are on, you know, what messages you feel are problematic or 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 not, I guess, with what you see out there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because it's I feel like it's sort of like a movement that I'm like just coming into and I feel really lucky to be living in Portland, Oregon, which is this like incredible hub mm-hmm. of body positivity. I mean, the things that people are doing here are really great and really amazing. And so it's interesting because I feel like what had sort of like 
put me off in the beginning was what I feel like is this order is this sort of like like false body positivity that's very like and I mean you know I can be like kind of an in-your-face person too so I have an appreciation for the like fuck you mentality but you know it was this very like I don't know it felt almost like like forced you know Mm. of like yeah, we're so like radical and like fuck your norms and standards and like I'm gonna eat this cake because you know I'm done with you policing me and all that stuff. And like there is a time and place for that and that's great. And also like just eat the cake because you want to. You <laughs> yeah. know, like not because you know like <laughs> not because it has to be this like other like big thing. Just like do it, you know. And so I feel like I am like just starting to like that and that has been really great and healing but I also like know that this doesn't happen everywhere and I feel like I just like moved to the right city and to the right coast and met the right people yeah Um, it's a good city I think that there's a part of me that still tenses us up when I hear people talking about radical self-love and things like that because I I also want it to be okay to not get there and I think there are people that are in those movements that are saying that but I think I I sometimes wish that 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 came across more or was more like explicit and clearly communicated that you know where you are now is totally okay Mm -hmm. you know and I just you know so I think some of my frustration is just you know like wanting their to be more space for those of us who are just like, my relationship with my body is like functional and that's okay, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've also heard like problem, it's problems with messages like, you know, love your body as it is when your body isn't the way you want it to be. Like it's Ooh, yeah. like that. Really hard for trans people. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting though, because I say that and I'm like, oh, am I making this like all about trans people and really like, you know, cis people struggle with that too but yeah I mean I think that's just like that's just a hard pill for a lot of trans people to swallow you know and I think that like if we're going to be working towards like body liberation and all of these things like we really have to recognize that that means really different things for a lot of different people and for some people you know that means changing our bodies and that you know for me meant having liposuction and that's a really like uncomfortable thing for a lot of people you know and was like life-saving for me you know yeah yeah so what do you feel like there needs to be more of I think we just like really have to, I mean, just like embrace messiness, you know, and that like these are not dichotomies, you know, like it's not either, you know, like you're like so liberated and like, you know, like radical self-love or you're this like, you know, product of like our oppressive fucked up culture. Like there's like so much in between mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I want to say too that I, I actually think that they're like I have hope for people to get that messiness you know because I see how people have been able to move away from other dichotomies you know around gender and stuff like that and I'm like okay this is just you know like there's just some learning curves here I think it's so true like we have to we have to see that things um 
you know, don't just like switch on and switch off. And it's not like all of a sudden yeah. you just, you know, trust your body or you don't. It's it, everything really happens uh, in a messy, nonlinear way. Uh-huh. And uh, and I think, yeah, you're 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 totally right. There has to be space for just, you know, my body is functional. And I think, I, you know, I've heard this when I've had conversations with disabled people as well, like that it's just, yeah. you know, it's like, I'm not going to love my body. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's I just, know. that is just an absurd notion for me. And so, you know, I have to yeah. kind of think about another way, you know, we have to think about ways to express that message that are more inclusive to other individuals and their struggles. Yeah, I think the hard thing is, you know, it's like anybody who's living in a body that is marginalized, it's like we fight so hard to be seen and to be seen like through our own experience and not like a like a dominant narrative experience. Right. And so it's like, you know, I think we can be like so sensitive, rightfully so, to those experiences of erasure. And so I think, you know, that some of that language like can just feel really erasing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important to note. Um, I quickly, before we wrap it up, I, I want to talk to you yeah. about the concept of body trust for you. You know, like I know when I heard you speak, you were saying that like when you, well, you can tell me in your own words, you know, what did you think when you first heard the expression body trust? Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, when I first heard that, I was just like, oh, no, you know, like, this is just not gonna happen. You know, like, this is, you know, this is some like, you know, cis person's great invention of what they think is gonna be good for me. I mean, and but you know, I, I love the nutritionist that I saw, and she was like, told she was like, oh shit you know like I was just gonna work with trans people you know and it was great and so we were able to talk about it and um so I really value and appreciate that but I think that it is you know I think unfortunately for me some of my relationship with body trust is really compartmentalized right and so there are aspects of my body that I do feel really able to trust and then I do connected with and you know one of the things that will sort of like remind me of that is like you know like having an injury or something like that and then like those are these like really amazing opportunities to look at how my body like actually is really working on my behalf and is like fighting so hard to heal me in these really cool ways but um so I feel like I've had to sort of like be much more like flexible about what that looks like and that it doesn't have to be again like moving away from these dichotomies right that it doesn't have to be that like you're trusting everything about your body every day you know because that's going to leave so many people out you know like trans or not you know but being able to embrace those parts that like you are able to trust you know that I, I do think there's capacity for people to find those sort of like individual um, linkages, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's such a good way of putting it that it can be really flexible. And it's not just like, you don't have to trust every single thing you get to choose. Yeah, I mean, that's just not realistic for anything. Yeah, you no, know? like, that's not sustainable. I don't think for me, I'll speak for myself. For me, that's not sustainable. You know, that it's, it's that like, you know, really like rigid thinking that like, you know, 
ended up with me losing a third of my body weight in one summer, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I'm trying to move away from those types of things, you know? Yeah. So what are some, what are some practices that you do or th- things that like, are you still kind of turn to or lean on to help, to help you in this, in this journey that you're still, that we're, that we're all still on, yeah. that, that you're still on. Yeah. I think the hard thing is that I, you know, and this is something that I worry about is I think a lot of the way that I'm able to have, you know, the trust and positive experience with my body is through exercise, you know, and still being a really active person, but in a like really different way, you know, and like nowhere near as much of a compulsive way. But then, excuse me, I think the pitfall of that is that I'm like, oh, well, when I can't do this, right, like, how am I going to offer my body the same, like, love and appreciation if it's not able to climb mountains or ski or surf or like all the things that I do, you know? So that's something that, to be honest, like, I just haven't figured out yet, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think those are going to be like some hard times of figuring that out. It's a, it is, it is a really difficult thing. You know, people who identify with being an athlete or being, you know, with, with movement being a big part of their identity, I think, you know, it sounds like you've done a really good job to heal your relationship with it. And it's not that same, you know, compulsive, it's not coming from that destructive compulsive place. But yeah, it is. It's, it's tough. I mean, that's a big question is like, okay, well, what would happen if I were injured and I couldn't do that? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's hard. It's messy. And I'm not there yet. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. You know, it's it, not I mean, there is no there, right? Like, and I think I really appreciate yeah, no, totally. you being so open about the fact that, you know, that you're still working through these things. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, we're all I think we're all work. We're all working through our own stuff. We just, you know, we don't just not a lot of people talk about it. <laughs> you know, We all just kind of want to like, <laughs> show like, I'm there. They're like, <laughs> that's where body positivity like needs to do better is to sort of like expose its own messiness. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and I think that one of the hard things though, is that like, it's like, I don't know when we see like how like scary and fucked up, you know, our culture is around bodies. And it's like, we really want to like go in and like quickly intervene and like change that, you know? And so it's like, I don't know. It's like, you can feel like you've got, you're like, one article or one, you know, like social media post or like one thing that, you know, like there's so much pressure Mm -hmm. there, but actually like, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. There's, there's so much pressure to sort of like respond to these like problematic things that I think it can like force us into these like oversimplified, you know, more, um, sort of like rigid ideas of like what body positivity really is, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we could talk about so much more uh, that has to do with this, but I know we have to wrap things up here. So I just want to thank you so much again and have you share where, where can people find more of you? I mean, I, (laughs) I'm, you can just go to my website and, you know, people are totally welcome to reach out or shoot me an email or things like that. Um, Yeah. Great. That's awesome. I, are you on social media at all? Or are you, are you like, yeah, you know? I mean, I, I, one of my sort of like goals or to do is to like add like a blog component of my website and to like make a like sort of like professional social media presence, but that's sort of like a like summer goal. Yeah. Yeah. So well, right now, 
can't like you can reach out to me like personally on social media. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I you know I look forward to you know if you if you do start that blog or or have that social media yeah, presence because awesome. I think Thank you have you. you have a lot of really great stuff to say and I'm so glad that you came on my radar and that you took the time to share your story and and your perspectives on everything today. It was really really refreshing and 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 fantastic. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Rock on. I learned so much from my conversation with Isaiah. That was really, really powerful. And uh, it was awesome to just hear his entire story in that much detail. And uh, yeah, just just really different perspectives on things than than um, we've had on the show before. So really awesome. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next time. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.